Yes, welcome to the Studio Live Today podcast. My name is Pete Johns, and Studio Live Today is a forum designed to help you, the home studio home recording creator, help you create, record, and release your best music in the home studio. My name is Pete Johns, and I've been doing this for uh, about seven years now. My website, studiolivetoday.com, has everything you need. It has all the different links. It has all the different things that we do around here, including tutorials and tips and tricks and live streams. I do four live shows every week, and you can check out all of that at studiolivetoday.com. If you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, you can go to studiolivetoday.com slash podcast. And then you'll find links to listening in in Apple Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify, all the places wherever you would like to go. And this is a continuation of the previous podcast we did, which was called Home Studio Q&A. And you can catch all the archived episodes of 2019 and 2020 if you want to hear a little bit about the past. But it is 2023 and we're kicking into a brand new year and we are kicking back in with the Studio Live Today podcast. If you'd like to support the channel, there's a heap of ways you can do that as well, including becoming a Patreon member. Just go to studiolivetoday.com slash Patreon. At the start of each show, we're going to kick off by letting you know what's happened in the last week on Studio Live today, and it has been a big week, even though it's been the first week of the new year, there's been a lot going on. So we had our live shows, we had the first Your Music Live show of the year. Now, if you're new to the channel and if you're new to Studio Live today, Your Music Live is a show where we showcase your independent music. So what we do is every week, there's two hours of independent music, and I play one to two minutes of a whole bunch of songs. I call it the Whitman Sampler. It's like having a little box of chocolates, and you get to select, you get to taste all of the different types of music. And then if you want to go and check out that artist, you can go and follow them on SoundCloud or YouTube or Spotify, wherever you listen to your music. So it's a little way of sharing some of the great independent music that you folks are creating in the home studio. So uh, do check out your music live and you can even submit your own songs there. We had a great garage band weekly. I did my 2022 garage band predictions. So if you want to find out exactly how right or wrong I will or won't be about what's going to happen with garage band in the next year, go and check that one out. And the happy hour was a big new year celebration, which was a lot of fun. So you can check that one out. In terms of the recorded videos, the tri tips and tricks, there's a brand new Apple plugin in garage GarageBand, which is the sound isolation plugin. We had a bit of a play with it. Still haven't quite worked out all of the kinks and all the things it can and can't do, but we'll definitely be returning to that here on the channel in the future. But if you want to check out the first video on that one, that is there on the channel. And uh, we also had some clips from my 2022 Best Home Studio Gear Show, where we looked at all of the best gear that you may want to consider for your home studio, including the best headphones, the best MIDI keyboard, and the best studio monitor speakers for your home studio in 2023 or whatever year you happen to be listening. Is it 2024 there? Hello. Hello to the future. I hope you're doing well. So that's been the last week here on Studio Live today. We've got a big weekend and a week coming up. And at the end of the show, I'll tell you about what's happening. The anticipation shall build. And I'll tell you all about what is going to be happening in the next uh, few days here on Studio Live today. Because there is no rest for the wicked, as they say. Today's feature topic, uh, I thought we'd come out of the box in, uh, in a controversial way. Because uh, today's feature topic is... 
why I'll never use a PC in the home studio again. Now, that sounds like a clickbait kind of title, and sure, it probably is. But the thing is, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my past and my history here because I think it will resonate with some folks and I'm not going to tell you what you should and should. Let's start with that. I will not tell you what you should or shouldn't use in the home studio or to create because I am a firm, super firm believer in using what you have to create. Whatever you've got right now, whatever works for you, whatever platform works for you, use it to create. If you're you're still using a four-track cassette recorder and you're getting great results, you keep doing that. If you're using analog tape, that's cool too. If you're using a Zoom digital recorder, if you're using your phone, your iPad, your PC, your Mac, it really doesn't matter. The most important thing is that you are creating, recording, and sharing great music. That being said, I just wanted to tell you my story because it's interesting. So I was a PC guy through and through. I did not use anything Mac. I did not own any Macintosh computers for the longest time. I came up through the Commodore 64 ranks and from the very first time I logged in to my first IBM compatible PC, I was hooked. I was a DOS guy. I was a Windows 3.195598. Vista. (laughs) I was in all of the windows. And I really honestly thought that I would never move away. The only times that I had any contact with Macs is when I would actually go and go to the Apple store. And I would hang out in the Apple store and uh, play around with the Macs there. And I would be like, oh, this is way too complicated. And I'd look at the price tag and just went, no, thank you. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to be partaking in any of your Apple products. However, something happened. Something happened just over two years ago. And that was that the M1 chip, yeah, the Apple M1 chip, their silicon, uh, the Apple silicon was released. And uh, the first Mac that they released was the Mac mini M1. And it was $699 US, which only equated to $1,099 Australia. Now, I happened to be in the market for a new studio PC at the time. And I watched with interest the announcement of this new Apple Silicon. And then I watched everyone lose their mind. I watched all of these creators that I respect say, this is a game changer. This is the best thing since sliced bread. So I thought, hey, you know what? I run a home recording home studio channel. I should probably be the guinea pig. Why don't I go down the Mac path? And it could be fun. It could be the fish out of water story of 2019. The the bloke that said he'd never use a Mac and he's finally using a Mac. So I bought it. I spent $1,099, which is actually less than the PC that I was considering buying. I was going to build a PC for around about $1,200, $1,300. So I was actually spending less than that. And that was, the, that was what, what got me. That's what got me in. I'm getting choked up about it. That's what got me through the door is that it was actually less than what I would have spent. Whereas every other time I've been considering a new computer, I would look at it and I'd be like, okay, it's $1,300 for that PC. It's $2,800 for an equivalent Mac. Whereas this was so much more affordable. So I got the Mac and it wasn't great. <laughs> I know. Surprise. I hated it. No, I didn't hate it, but there were teething problems. I didn't know how to use Mac OS. I had to get help just to get the hard drive icon on my screen. I had problems with uh, the screen refreshing. It wouldn't support my mixer. It wouldn't support my webcam. There were teething problems out the wazoo. However, I persisted, I stayed with it, and once a few of the bugs of Big Sur, the new version of macOS, were ironed out, what I realized was, is that because I was an iPhone and an iPad guy, and I'd been creating in GarageBand on those platforms, the new version of macOS was more like iPhone and iPad than anything else. 
So they'd removed and changed a lot of the behaviors of the Mac that made it really weird. Because back in the day, I was like, Mac OS, what, one mouse button? Yeah, good luck to you. But no, it was nothing like that anymore. And in fact, everything with the control center to the way that you run apps, it, it all just felt like I was running a big iPad. And then I started using it. And I started using it with things like GarageBand. And then I got Logic and started using that. I use it for live streaming. So I've got a two monitor set up here. I've got a 4K monitor and a 1080p monitor. I run powered USB hubs with all my USB gear. All the drivers got updated so that my Zoom Live Track mixer works perfectly on there. So over about the next year, it all came together. And I stopped and thought about it because I, I took stock and went, what is, what is my next buy going to be here? And it's going to be a Mac. So whether you look at that as Pete has drunk the Kool-Aid, he's played into Apple's hands perfectly, or whether you go, you know what? They actually realized that there was a market of Pete's and Pete-like people out there who are exactly in this boat, who didn't want to spend three or $4,000 on their first Mac. But for 1000 given all the positive feedback, they were going to give it a go. So I just wanted to put that out there and say uh, kudos to Apple. Yes, kudos, trillion dollar company. You did well. You can now make an extra trillion dollars because it, uh, yeah, it, it, it really uh, it really was an interesting time. Uh, we are recording this podcast live, so uh, we do have some folks here uh, who, are, uh, who are live. So a few comments on this. Uh, <laughs> Mark says, I'm like a maid. I don't do Windows. Uh, Mr. SM Borthwick says, I'll pro uh, I'm probably the same. I can only afford one computer at a time. Mac Mini M1 was a great deal. Uh, and Thomas Christ, our wonderful channel moderator, said, I actually remember back when Pete swore he'd never get a Mac. And when he did, and now here we are. Exactly right. It is, uh, it is very, uh, very interesting, isn't it? Uh, Paul Edgar, hello to you, says, my main reason was the idea that my MacBook Pro, iPhone, and iPad were integrated. Music for me was the last one and a half years. Started recording a tune in each session and then got into mixing and mastering. And that's probably, that's probably it. Uh, and Lou Reality says, the Kool-Aid is delicious. That's right. If we are going to be slaves to the system, at least the Kool-Aid that they feed us is delicious. So that is the main thing because you might think, oh, that's nice, Pete, but what, what's actually the reason? Why is it so much better for your workflow? And it really is about all being in with that one ecosystem. So for me, when I'm creating things and I can save everything off to iCloud Drive and then I can pick up my iPhone, I can walk out the door and it's all just there. And then I can share my projects and my recordings. If I record something in audio share on my phone while I'm out and about, I can then throw it onto my iPad back in the studio. I can then throw that onto my Mac. And with, with AirDrop and with iCloud Drive sharing, it is all just completely integrated. I can set up text replacement shortcut. This is a small one, but here's a tip. You came here for tips and, tips and tricks, not just rants, right? This is was a game changer. The text replacement feature, which is on your iPhone, is that thing where you can put a couple of letters in there. And if you want to find out how to do this, just go to YouTube and search Pete John's text replacement. It is a game changer. I've got text replacement for everything. PJC, PeteJohns.com, SLTC, StudioLiveToday.com. All of these things I just put in there. And I was amazed that when I started using Mac OS, all the text replacement was there as well. So if I'm replying to someone on an email, I've got a whole thing where if I don't know the answer to a question, I write maybe ask. And then what it says is maybe ask over at the studio uh, over at the studio live today discord, or perhaps check out the create record release Facebook group and ask the cool people over there. 
that's like a whole paragraph. And I write maybe ask and boom, it pops in there. So that is the thing. Having that interoperability between your different devices. Just and look, can you do it between a PC? Am I saying if you've got a, a really good PC and it's working for you now, should you not do it? There's ways, of course there are. You can use iCloud Drive on your PC. You can use Google Drive or Dropbox to transfer files. You can even use the audio share uh, tool, which is the Wi-Fi drive tool, to transfer. That's what I used to use. If you've got a, an iPhone, get the audio share app because that lets you share between any devices. There's a Wi-Fi drive feature in there. It's amazing. Again, if you want to learn about it, search my name, Pete Johns, Audio Share Wi-Fi drive, and you'll learn how to actually transfer your files between your iPhones, your iPads, and any other Android tablets and PCs and Macs and whatever you use. It's all there. It's all ready to go. Alrighty, uh, Thomas Christ says, I will say too, having had to use Apple's phone support for a serious issue, I had a very positive experience. The rep was friendly and helpful and I didn't have to wait long. And that's the other thing. Like I, I haven't used Apple. I don't like phone tech support, but I've heard from many folks that Apple will always try to help you when you call them. I go to the Mac, uh, to the Apple store and speak to a genius at the Genius Bar and look, nine times out of 10, it's been a positive experience. Has it always been perfect? No, but nine times out of 10, it's been a very positive experience and they have at least tried to help out. Um, and uh, apart from the last time where they wanted to charge $415 to replace the screen on a five-year-old phone, I just said, uh, no, thank you. I think we'll get a new one. So they still got their money out of me in the end. All right. Uh, Joe and Barry Glenn, hello to you. Uh, they say, I got a mini Mac, a very old one, simply so that I could publish songs through DistroKid. <laughs> now that is no longer an issue. Yes. Yeah, so if you're, if you're publishing in the past, DistroKid did not have a mobile way of uploading music. Now they do. But uh, yeah, the, the Mac mini is a, a good little machine. Uh, Fat Panda Cat also says Apple have always had really good tech support. I think that's the major reason to buy a Mac. There you go. And Paul Egg says 2013 MacBook Pro, 2018 MacBook Pro, still rocking. And that's the thing. You've got some longevity with a lot of this gear as well. Good stuff. So, uh, yeah, that, that, is, uh, that is our first uh, topic there. Why I'll never use a PC. And look, you never say never, do you? But, again, it's unlikely. Something really weird would have to happen. Intel would have to bring out their i1 chip that is somehow cheaper and better than the M1 chip. And I just don't see it happening somehow. Next uh, topic I wanted to talk about, cover songs. What do you think about playing cover songs? Now, I've been doing a show for the last uh, three years nearly <laughs> called The Happy Hour. Every week I play an hour of songs. Sometimes they're my original songs, but more often than not they're covers. And I see a lot of talk around music sharing communities and music creating communities around cover songs and the fact that oh don't play cover songs play original songs man cover songs are lame cover songs are uh, for people starting out and once you know how to write music why would you play other people's music I think that there's a few key reasons why I love playing, learning and playing cover songs. Number one, it's just straight out fun. <laughs> so, you know, I want to play Nirvana, I want to play Pearl Jam, I want to play Green Day, I want to play my favourite bands and I want to actually learn how to play their songs. Number two, you get to learn the way that they put those songs together. You can learn the chord structures, you can learn the cool little riffs that they've incorporated in there, the combination of harmony, harmony, melody and rhythm that make the songs what they are. So that's pretty darn cool as well. Uh, and number three is that it gives you another creative outlet as well. So it means that when you are trying to write a song and you're hitting that brick wall, if you've got some things to fall back on, I'll often do that. I'll be trying to write a brand new song and then I'll go, this sounds too much like Radiohead. Then I'll be like, 
screw it. I'm just going to sit down and play some Radiohead for a while. And then I play some Radiohead. It frees my mind. It lets my creativity sort of have a little chill. And then I go back to it and, oh, lo and behold, I'm able to put together that chord progression I was trying to. So there's a few reasons why I like to do it. But I'd love to hear your views on this. Uh, feel free to uh, comment if you're watching on the YouTube video here, if you're here live or if you're here on the replay of that one. Or, uh, yeah, let us know. Join one of the communities and, and have a chat because uh, there's always folks chatting about that. And I did see it come up on a couple of forums just recently that people were saying, no, don't play cover songs. And thankfully, a lot of folks, probably some of you listening right now, uh, go into bat for covers and say, actually, it's kind of fun. Cover songs are pretty darn cool. They're good to go. Mark Bro says, covers are fun to do. You can learn so much while enjoying yourself. Hear, hear. And that's the thing. Music's supposed to be fun. <laughs> and if you, especially if you're trying to create something original and you're banging your head up against a wall, maybe don't. Maybe stop banging and start banging out uh, some cover songs. Thomas Christer says, if you perform only original music, you can avoid challenges that might make you better. Covers force you to tackle it head on. Absolutely. And that's the thing. They make you use uh, different keys and different chords. Like I've learned the B7 chord. I love it now. And I learned that because I started playing a lot of like Jack Johnson covers and things. And I learned, wow, that B7 chord, going from that E to that B7 chord sounds awesome. And now I've integrated that into a bunch of my songs. And you can say, oh, you're just a plagiarist. You're just copying Jack Johnson, man. Like, you know, if you're going to copy anyone, Jack Johnson ain't a bad, uh, a bad choice. Uh, Fat Panda Cat says, uh, honestly, who doesn't learn to play or sing along to a song they love? Might as well record it. If nothing else, it's good practice. Right? And it is. It's great practice for, for learning something. When I was learning GarageBand on Mac, first thing I recorded was a cover song because I needed to learn how to use it. I didn't want to have to use the left and the right brain, use the creative part of my brain as well as the part that has the talent hidden away there somewhere. So yeah, you can actually use both, which is, uh, which is cool. Uh, SM Borthwick says you might reach a wider audience with covers too. I don't do them often, but I do enjoy from time to time. That's it. And you can do, you can definitely, you can definitely dabble. You don't have to do all of one thing. You needn't do a one trick you needn't be a one-trick pony. Be a pony with many tricks. Or maybe don't be a pony at all. I'm just going to have a, a, a sip from my studio live today, Mug. Ah, ASMR. Uh, and if you want to get your own Studio Live Today mug, you can head over to studiolivetoday.com slash merch. That's M-E-R-C-H. And you can check out the range of t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, and Studio Live Today merchandise. And thank you, as always, for supporting Studio Live Today. Hey, I've got a question for you. Is using samples and loops in your songs cheating? Someone asked me this question just this week. They said, hey, I'm getting into music creating, but I, I started creating a song and I used a bunch of loops that I downloaded from a website called Splice and I put them in and then I added to the top and I, I showed it to my uh, my producer friend and they said, oh, no, dude, you can't. You've got to create all your own samples. You can't go using other people's loops and samples. That's That's no good. And uh, yeah, it made me really sad, actually, because the whole concept, the whole idea that doing something in music is cheating is very weird because when, and interestingly, I was chatting with, with my wife this week about cheating. We, we do Wordle and uh, we were talking about cheating and uh, she was saying, hey, sometimes I'm completely stuck and I just go, All right, words that start with R and end in T that have five letters and I Google that, is that cheating? And I'm like, well, it is. But it doesn't matter because unless you're in the World Wordle Competition Championships and you have to follow the rules, then 
it doesn't really matter. And it's kind of the same with music. If you're in a music competition and it specifically says no loops, no samples, then you're fine. Like, why Why would you? Like, you don't have to just use... Yeah. So, and the whole remixes and using samples of other people's songs has been the epitome of music for years. People have been using samples from the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and they've created some cool songs because they've reimagined, they've used those and then they've created something new from them. So I actually think that it's a great way to get started. Again, similar to the cover song stuff. We've got some similar kind of themes on the topics here. Similar to the cover songs, it's just a great way to actually get started and start doing things. Like if you're using GarageBand, jump on into live loops or Ableton Live or if you're using anything. Using some loops and some samples and what other people have put together can really show you what can be done. And then, of course, create your own sounds and your own patterns and use your own MIDI instruments and your own synth patches to create something cool afterwards. But yeah, I just, again, I think it's sad. And unfortunately, it goes back to something that I see all too often, which is that people that have been doing this for a long time, they they get into this mindset where it's like, there's only one way to do things and it's my way. Guess what? It's my way. Yes, yeah, Fat Panda Cat, the producer friend is an idiot. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the direct blunt way to say it, but it's cool. And Mark Rose says, samples and loops are only tools. It's all in how you use them. Yes, I'm a tool and so are my samples and loops. That's the way I look at it. So it's interesting. Yeah, Fat Panda Cat says, numerous hip-hop and dance acts would say it's okay. Beastie Boys was super... Exactly. Beastie Boys absolutely crushed it and they used a lot of samples, but they used them in very different ways, didn't they? You know, you got to fight for your right to party. wouldn't have been the same song if it didn't have that hook. And uh, they they made it their own. So uh, I love me, love me some loops and some samples. And uh, I don't think it's considered cheating in my book. Um, Christopher Rossi says great composers, great composers borrow. No, sorry, good composers borrow, great ones steal. Uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, for example, copied an entire symphony by Michael Haydn for study purposes. Yeah, and it's actually a fun thing. Again, the the cover things and the sampling things. Sometimes, yeah, tr- bringing in an entire thing, an entire song, and then trying to recreate it is actually a great way to learn how to create sounds. Yeah, you don't want to then go and copy them, but you might want to know exactly how to get that Nirvana-style guitar or that Butch Vig-style garbage sound. So we've been talking about Butch Vig a lot lately, and you've got to be very careful when you say the name Butch Vig. You can't get your vowels switched around or you're in serious trouble. Uh, so yeah, I don't think it's good. Got a few more topics to go. We've got a little bit of question time here. I've got some questions that have come in during the week that I'm going to have to make sure that I find. And if you are here live, because we are recording this one live to tape, you can ask those questions as well. If you're here on the YouTube or the Facebook and you're watching the show live, all you need to do is put a big cue in front of your question, in front of your comment. And I'd be happy to include that in our question time. It's, it's like question time that they have in Parliament, except fun and about music. So that's what we like to say. Uh, Let's talk about a bit of online communities. Online communities for music creation can be the best thing since sliced bread, and they can be toxic cesspools. Which do you prefer? (laughs) For me, I like the better than sliced bread ones. I like some of the communities that I'm very biased, but that I'm involved with. So uh, if you're new to Studio Live today and you're new to this community, there's a couple of great places I want you to check out. Number one is the Create, Record, Release Facebook group. We've got more than a thousand folks over there. And if you're a Facebook book user, or even if you're not, you know what? We've got folks who have joined up, created accounts on Facebook just so that they can be part of the Create, Record, Release Facebook group. So you don't have to worry, like don't don't make it a public account. Don't worry that Arnie Mavis and Uncle Dan are going to start 
you know, slamming you with their weird political and religious beliefs, just sign up with a nice private account. Don't have to tell anyone and then join these groups. So if you're a GarageBand user, the GarageBand Users Facebook group is a great one. And we also have a Discord server. So yeah, you can go to studiolivetoday.com slash Discord. I do feel about 20 years too old whenever I'm using the Discord server, but the kind folks, the kind millennials over there are carefully, gently... Uh, coaxing me in and teaching me all about the world of Discord. So if there is places where, if you would like to join any of those places, studiolivetoday.com, just go there. There's a big list of links right on that front page. I've made it super simple and you can find all the ways that you can follow me and the communities that we have right here on Studio Live Today. Midnight Bandit says, creativity in all aspects will have some shaking their stick and peering down their noses at some people's work. This happens in all forms. Just do what makes you happy. Absolutely. I think so. Here, here. And Joe and Barry Glenn say lots of cover songs when we play live. Now we do traditional, no copyright, and some originals. Yeah, there's the other way to go. You can do you can do your traditional songs and out of copyright songs, uh, public domain songs. Then you don't have to worry about. It. You get the best of both worlds. You don't have to create something brand new, but you also don't have to pay cover licenses. It's gold, absolutely gold. Alrighty. Um, so yeah, join the online communities. They're they're out there and they're uh, they're super fun. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about cables. In fact, I've got a question. Uh, so we'll actually, I'll save that one for I'll save that one for question time, shall I? Because uh, we don't want to run too long here. Um, so <laughs> I did want to talk about this. My most popular video on Studio Live today on the YouTube channel. Again, if you if you're new to the community, uh, just search Studio Live today on YouTube, and you can subscribe. I've got lots of cool people, and there's more than uh, two thousand seven hundred videos, I think, now <laughs> on the channel. So there's a heap there. But the most popular video that I've ever done is one where I show you how to pick lint out of your headphone jack with a toothpick. I uh, kid you not, that is the number one. Of all the videos I've done, I've spent days and weeks and months crafting and creating tutorials and videos with B-roll footage and using lots of uh, different techniques. And yet, yeah, I set up a camera one day, I pointed it at my phone and I said, hey, if your headphones won't plug in or your charger port won't plug in, grab a toothpick and have a little dig and you'll be golden. And that's had you know, in the millions of views now. And interestingly, I thought this was just an interesting observation. I don't know if you'll find it interesting as well. But I get comments on that and the comments are usually positive saying, hey, bro, you saved me like hundreds of dollars because now, or I went to the Apple Genius Bar and they said uh, I need to get my whole port replaced. And then I came home and scraped it for two minutes with a toothpick and now it's fine. So uh, I got lots of thanks on the video, which is lovely. But there's two types of comments that are negative. One is... Bro, get to the frickin' point. You're taking too long. This should be simple. This should have been a 10-second video saying, just dig it out with a toothpick. And then the other comment, which I got this week, was, oh, I can't believe you didn't tell me until five minutes in that I shouldn't use something metallic. I just shoved a paperclip in there and I think I broke it. So <laughs> it's really weird. I just thought it was interesting that there were the two types of people. There were the ones that wanted me to just get to it, man. Don't stop with all the war. Because in the video, I say, all right, now do this at your own risk. Be careful with this. 
don't do this. Like, you're better off going to a professional. Like, I give all these provisors and I get lots of people saying, dude, you're taking too long. I don't know why they use that voice. Dude, you're taking way too long, bruh. And I'm like, oh, okay, fair enough. And then I get the other ones like, dude, you didn't tell me too far enough in that I shouldn't have used metal, bruh. So it's really interesting. I guess it comes back to the, the same thing with music is that you can't please everyone. And if you try, you're going to fail. So what I need to do is, in my own head, I look at this and I go, you know what, that's about 2% of all the people that watch and comment and like this video that have either of those views. 98% of people are just fine. They just think it's just okay and they're not worrying about it. But if I went out and worried about either of those and tried to change everything based on the opinion of strangers on the internet... I'm doing myself a disservice and I think it relates to you and your music as well because if you try, if you, you could do a song and someone might say, you do a four minute song and someone, like say, probably a younger person, might say, oh bruh, it's way too long, like a song should be two and a half minutes maximum and then you'll get someone else that says, oh, you, this really needed an extra bridge, uh, I didn't feel you explored the song enough and neither of those are necessarily right, that's just their opinions and again, the majority of the people might think it's absolutely awesome, but there's a tendency when we put things out to the universe, when we put our own creativity in particular out there, there's a thing that we do, which is that we focus, we laser focus in on the negativity rather than realizing that you're always going to get, especially in the, the unfiltered and uh, world of the internet where people can hide behind usernames and avatars, you are going to get people that are going to give you that hate or even just that narkiness or even just be like the producer friend that we talked about before that just says no 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 I have 25 years experience in this and you are doing the wrong thing any of that stuff it's really hard to do but trying to filter that out is really important because you can really start sweating the petty stuff and it really can drive you in the wrong direction so again it's it's why I think that you need to join the communities that we have here because I think that uh, they are a great way to nurture people, especially if you're just starting to come up. If you're starting to come up and you're starting to create music, you need to be in environments where you've got people around you that are going to support you. You are building people up or you're being built up, not torn down. And I think that's what we get. That's what we get everywhere. Uh, SM Borthwick says, I've still never uh, had to resort to applying a toothpick to my tech. But if I ever do, I know what to do. There you go. <laughs> You're covered. Uh, Christopher Rossi says, also dental floss does not work. Yet steer clear of anything that um, can leave residue. Don't use Q-tips either. And I mentioned that in the video too. And too many people are like, oh, can I use a Q-tip? It's like, no, because then you'll get little microfiber bits of cotton in there, which is exactly the stuff you're trying to remove. So something like a, a toothpick does the best job. Um, um, bu -bu -bu -bu. Uh, I've got a quick question here from Gary Hubs uh, because it relates to a show we talked about before, Your Music Live. He said, I can't find the submission form for YML, Your Music Live. I had it on my old phone, but I don't have it now. So it's even uh, all you need to do there, Gary. And anyone, in fact, if you would like to participate in YML, Your Music Live, is go to studiolivetoday.com slash YML. So everything, uh, everything's made simple around here. So if you go to studiolivetoday.com slash a thing, that's usually the answer to everything. So studiolivetoday.com slash email is my email mailing list. Studiolivetoday.com slash discord will take you straight to the discord. And studiolivetoday.com slash 
FML will take you to your music live. Um, cool. Let's uh, let's move on and grab our next topic, uh, which is, in fact, we're at question time. So uh, time flies when you're having fun. I hope you've enjoyed some of the topics we've talked about here today. We've got a few questions that have come in through the week. And again, if you're here live and you've got some questions you want to throw in there, feel free to throw them in the live chat right now. But the questions that we had through the week, uh, the first one I've got here comes to us from GTech. It says, hi, Pete. I've used your channel to get to know the GarageBand iOS and thank you for all your information. It's been very helpful. I do have an issue though. I've saved projects on iTunes and saved them on my hard drive. This was done a long time ago and I don't have iTunes on my computer anymore. When I try to open a project folders in GarageBand, it says it can't load. Is there any way to import the projects without iTunes. This is a bit of a conundrum. So this is a problem many of us had that where you used to sync up your devices with iTunes. And I definitely did that as well. I've done videos here on the channel where I've showed you how to do this back in the day. You used to be able to sync your GarageBand projects with your iTunes library, whether you're using a Mac or a PC. And what they would do is that they would copy over the GarageBand projects as folders and stick them on the hard drive of your PC or your Mac. The problem is that the file system used by GarageBand, unless it goes through iTunes, it kind of messes them up. So it doesn't really, you'll often get this, this is a corrupt file or something, file incomplete, file missing. So if you've just got them sitting on a hard drive as folders, you're a little bit out of luck because without going through iTunes and converting them back over to your iPhone or your iPad, it's going to be hard to actually get them. Ideally, in hindsight, you would have, instead of actually copying them across as those full project files, if you zip them up, and this is a tip for anyone that may be listening to this that wants to back up their GarageBand files, because GarageBand files are only compatible with the Mac or the iOS file system, if you want to back them up or copy them to either another cloud storage like Dropbox or Google Drive, or you want to copy them to your PC on a, on a, a hard drive that's a PC format, you want to zip them up first. And it's a very simple way. Again, if you want to learn how to, just go to your YouTube. And YouTube's like the universal search engine, right? <laughs> and type in Pete John's Zip GarageBand. And there'll be a video right there showing you how to zip up your GarageBand projects and throw them on over to your PC. But the problem you have is not going to be solved by that. You can try to install iTunes. It's still possible to actually plug a phone in using a lightning to USB cable into a PC, install iTunes, and then put those in your iTunes in your iTunes folder and then try to sync it up and then go into the file storage. It's not super supported anymore because literally very few people do it. The other option is if you can somehow get those copied onto a drive, a FAT drive, so not an NTFS drive because that won't work with iOS and with most Macs, but if you've got an FAT, FAT32 or XFAT hard drive or a memory stick or something like that, you could try copying those and then loading them up on a Mac and then trying to copy them from a Mac over to an iPhone or an iPad because the file systems will be compatible. But unfortunately, going from, uh, going from yeah, 
going from those formats, trying to get them back is a bit difficult. So um, I, I apologize if you can't get it. If anyone's got any ideas, by the way, feel free to, to help us out. Go, go and share the your knowledge, share your wealth, because that, that would be a good question, by the way, for the GarageBand users Facebook group. And that is probably where I'm going to send GTEC over to to ask that question, maybe provide a little more detail or jump over to the Studio Live Today Discord. And again, all those links are at studiolivetoday.com. Uh, we've got Ivan Ivan Velez has a question. He says, uh, I have a couple of samplers and I want to connect the ins and outs to my audio interface. The audio interface is a Focusrite Scarlett third generation. I was thinking of getting a TRS quarter inch to quarter inch cables. My question to you is, should I get a single TRS quarter inch to quarter inch or a dual TRS quarter inch to quarter inch cables? It's time to talk cables. Yeah, everyone's favorite topic, how to connect your stuff to your other stuff. So the first thing I'll say is, like most things, I have a web page that has information. So if you go to studiolivetoday.com slash, you guessed it, cables, then you can check out my cables guide and that will tell you what all the different cables are and what you should be using. It breaks down to this though, it's pretty simple. Your quarter inch plug, which if you picture it, is like the plug on a guitar amplifier or that you plug into a guitar, that's a quarter inch or what's known as a 5.5 millimeter. Anyway, you, you know the plug if we're talking about. There's also the eighth inch, which is the three and a half millimeter. That's the smaller one. That's the one like you used to have in your headphone jacks on your iPhone when your iPhone had a headphone jack. Don't get me started on that. Maybe we need to do a whole future podcast episode on why, oh, why did you remove my headphone jack? <laughs> <laughs> from my iPhone. I want it back, man. I have none. None on my iPhone, none on my iPad. I barely have one on my MacBook now. It's uh, it's craziness. But your quarter-inch cable is known as a, uh, a TS. So your standard instrument cable is a TS. And that stands for tip and sleeve. So that will send a mono unbalanced signal. So if you're talking about your samplers or you're talking about gear, if it's got an auxiliary output that is a mono auxiliary output, chances are it's probably an unbalanced mono output. And then all you really need is an instrument lead, a quarter inch to quarter inch TS cable, super cheap standard instrument cable. If, however, you have a balanced output on that sampler, then you'll want yourself a TRS, which stands for tip ring sleeve, because what that does is, and I don't have time on this podcast to explain balanced versus unbalanced. Again, I've got a video on the channel, search Pete John's balanced versus unbalanced. But in short terms, it sends a second copy of the signal at a ground. So there's an additional copy of the signal that basically it reverses it, it flips it, and it means it can reduce things like interference and noise in the cable. So if it has a balanced output and it'll tell you on there or in the manual whether it's unbalanced or balanced, if it's balanced, you'll want a TRS cable. You can still use a TS cable. You can use an unbalanced cable on a balanced plug but you can't use a balanced cable on an unbalanced plug. So don't go trying to plug your guitar into a guitar amplifier using a balanced cable, a TRS cable, thinking you're going to get better quality. More often than not, it's just going to not work at all or potentially cause some damage. So the next level of complexity, though, is that you're talking about mono versus stereo. So there's two types of cables there. There is, again, there's a dual mono TS cable, which has two tip and sleeve connectors. And that's what you'd use if you've just got stereo left out and right out, and they're unbalanced. And then you just plug them out of there. You plug them into your audio interface, into the, the two plugs there. You pan one left, one right, and you're good to go. If they are balanced, same thing again. You just, instead of getting that tip sleeve, that TS cable, you'll want a dual TRS cable. So you want tip, ring, and sleeve, 
with two ends so that you can plug one in the left, one in the right, and then the same out. That's what I use, for instance, to plug my audio interface out to my studio monitors because my Steinberg UR22C has balanced outputs. The Focusrite Scarlet series does as well, and my monitor speakers, the Presonus Eris, have balanced inputs. So I use two TRS cables to do that. The one final thing that you need to know is that if it's stereo out, but it's only using one plug, that would be a stereo TRS unbalanced. Just to add confusion and complexity to what is already confusing and complex. That means that the tip, ring and sleeve, that same cable that you can use for a balanced signal, can also be used for a stereo unbalanced because instead of flipping the signal and using that second signal as the balancing act, <laughs> it uses that for the other channel. So it'll just send the left and the right through a TRS cable and it will be balanced, uh, unbalanced. See? See how easy it is? So easy to explain in audio format too. But if you go to studiolivetoday.com slash cables or search the YouTube for Pete John's balanced, unbalanced, you are very good to go. As Andy Dion says, E equals MC squared cable talk. I know, it gets it gets confusing. Uh, and again, it's, it, it's why it's really good to have, um, to, to have those communities to reach out to if you do have questions on this sort of stuff because there's plenty of people uh, who will be able to help you out. I've grabbed your questions, by the way, that have come in here from Days Beats and also from Rena. So we'll answer those in a moment. Got one more question that came in through the week that I wanted to talk to here. And this one comes from Nut Centered Alien. <laughs> like, I love YouTube names. Hey, man, so I have a question. I was thinking of buying an iRig 2, but I don't want to use phone amp presets. Is there a way I can record my actual amp with this and use the audio in GarageBand? Thanks. Yeah, there absolutely is. So I've actually shown this before in a video, funnily enough. The answer to every question is going to be, Pete has a video, go search the YouTube. But it kind of is. So if you go, if you search my name, you search Pete Johns and record real amp. I've got a video over there that shows you exactly how to do that. So remember, an amplifier is just an analog source. It's just something that you can pick up. So what you'll need to do that is you'll need to get yourself uh, an audio interface that will accept a microphone and then you'll need to have a microphone. <laughs> uh, you can also use line out from your amplifier, but I've tended to find that that has less good results. So if your amplifier has a line out, listen to the section we just talked about to do with cables, and that might actually help you understand a little bit more about that. But ideally, you'll want to get yourself an audio interface that's not like the iRig 2, but is actually like a uh, either the iRig Pre, which you can plug a microphone into, or an iRig Pro I.O. that you can plug either a guitar or a microphone into. Or if you're on a budget, there's a little device called the Tascam IXZ or IXZ, which is a little plug, similar to the iRig 2. It plugs into your headphone jack and it gives you a not only the ability to plug a guitar in, but also a microphone, an XLR microphone cable, including phantom power. So then all you'd need is a microphone, um, some could be a very cheap microphone, something like a Samson uh, S1, or you could get yourself what I recommend, an Audio-Technica AT2020 or an AKG D5. All of this stuff is over at my gear guide. So I would uh, jump on over. You can check out my mobile setup and my desktop setup at studiolivetoday.com slash gear. And that is the place where I have all of my gear recommendations. So uh, check that one out. Scapular Wingling Records says, uh, tip ring sleeve has always sounded dirty to me. 
<laughs> yeah, you've got to be careful, don't you? Uh, there's a lot of things in music, like when you have your male and your female plugs and sockets and tips and rings and sleeves, and it's like, ooh, okay. Getting a little saucy here with our uh, home studio recording. A little PG-13 around here. <laughs> Alrighty. A couple of questions that have come in live, and then we'll wrap this sucker up. So uh, Rena says, uh, I've been using BandLab to change keys and tempo on tracks. I export out high-quality wave and then change on BandLab. What quality is exporting off BandLab? Is there a choice? Do you know? So here's the thing. Uh, BandLab is exporting, usually it's exporting a 16-bit wave file if you're selecting the wave file option on the website. If you're using the BandLab app, the unfortunate part is it really only exports compressed audio. So the fix to that is, and if you haven't checked out BandLab, guess what? I've checked it out here on the channel. They're a former sponsor of the channel as well. So if you can check out uh, YouTube, just search Pete John's BandLab. But if you're using the BandLab app, I would actually go and log in because you can use BandLab through your browser as well. So I just go to Safari, go to BandLab there and export your file from there. Especially if you're doing mastering, you can actually choose the quality of that rather than just getting the default compressed file. Now, the only challenge that I have with BandLab is it's not 24-bit, it's only 16-bit. So that's one of the limitations you're going to have when you're creating music using BandLab. But 16-bit versus 24 is not a absolute, you know, must-have or game-changer. So, yeah, if you for, for the sake of a, a very free and very cool app to create some music in, you're going to get pretty good quality out of there. So um, that, that would be my recommendation, Rena, is if you're, you're exporting, rather than exporting directly from the BandLab app, log into your, the, your browser, go to bandlab.com on your browser, go into your project, export it there, save that WAV file, and then you'll be able to see exactly what sort of file it is there, and then throw it into something like AudioShare or just into your Files app, and you'll be able to use it. On there. Um, Days Beat says, hey Pete, I have a question. I have posted my first song on the 30th of December and it has pa passed four days. What should I do if tomorrow it will not upload? So if you're using DistroKid, who I recommend, they're the distributor of choice for Studio Live Today connoisseurs. DistroKid, it depends if it's your first song it'll often take a little bit longer. So once you've released songs and you've got a profile with Spotify and Apple Music and YouTube Music and all the places, it's actually a lot quicker because they kind of trust you. They've like, yeah, okay, you've re you've recorded and released before and then you add another song. It's a lot easier to, to do it the second time. Right? The first time around, you tend to go through a bit more of a vetting process because unfortunately, these days there's a lot of people who are trying to release copyrighted music. They're trying to use sound library music. They're trying to... Basically, if there's, if there's a thing that can be done that's a bit dodgy people are trying to do it and unfortunately that's kind of ruining it for brand new folks who are just trying to create record and release their music so it does mean that sometimes especially for your first release it will take a little bit longer if you go to your DistroKid dashboard you need to make sure that you've got green lights or at least yellow lights there if there's any red lights it'll tell you what's happened maybe your artwork's rejected or your audio's rejected or something else has happened and if you do want to reach out to DistroKid there are contact details on their page it's not front and centre because they don't want every man of these dog just you know emailing them and contacting them for, for things that are just in the process of happening but if you go to uh, to my website and you can probably hence the theme here now uh, it's studiolivetoday.com slash distrokid I've got my distrokid FAQ there including how to troubleshoot and get in touch with them if something is going wrong with your releases so hopefully that will help you out 
Uh, question uh, from uh, Jorge. I'll just answer this one real quick because I think it's related to the last one. Is there a way to import the GarageBand projects without iTunes? I saved them a while back and I don't have iTunes anymore. It seems to be it seems not to be working when I try to open from Dropbox. Yeah, so as I was mentioning earlier in the show, uh, try and copy them across you, from a Mac if you can. If, you, if there's someone that you know that has a Mac, put them onto a hard drive and then open them on a Mac and try and copy them from there. If you're just downloading from Dropbox and they're the .band file, the GarageBand project folder or file, it simply won't work. It's not going to be a good thing. It won't work at all. So, uh, yeah, and it's to do with the file format. So the way that a GarageBand .band file looks in a Mac is like just a file. But the way it looks in a PC file format is a whole folder of files. So that's why you have to zip it up into a zip file. That way it kind of protects the integrity of the folder structure. And then you can transfer it to your heart's content. And then when you get it back onto your iPhone or iPad, you unzip it and you're good to go. That's the question time segment for this week. If you do have questions, though, don't stress. Don't worry. Jump over to YouTube and find the video version of the podcast because you can leave your questions down there. Hey, some of them might be on next week's show. You might be the questions that we have as part of question time on next week's podcast. So jump over to YouTube and just search uh, podcast, Pete John's podcast. You'll find this there. And of course, the audio version is available at studiolivetoday.com slash podcast. Make sure you subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And yeah, like pretty much every other podcast you listen to, I'm going to ask you to leave a rating and a review if you think this is a cool idea, if you like this show, if you're a creator, if you've been following and supporting me, or if you're brand, brand new to this whole shebang, I really would appreciate it if you would leave a review, leave some feedback, let me know what you're thinking of the show, and uh, you can actually get in touch with me. All my contact details, including my email address and everything else, is over at studiolivetoday.com. Com. What's coming up this week on Studio Live today? Well, we have some live shows. We've got our happy hour happening this weekend. We do it every week. It is Sunday morning slash midday if you're here in Australia, or it's Saturday afternoon or evening in the US, Canada, UK, Europe, and other time zones. It's an hour of me playing songs. And this week, it's some amazing female artists. I'm playing some songs from some of my favorite rockin' ladies from uh, the last sort of 50 years. So that should be a lot of fun there. We have Your Music Live. That is our weekly live independent music showcase where I play your music and I play it live. So two hours of independent music. And we do that every week on a Sunday afternoon or evening if you're in the US, Canada, Europe, UK, or a Monday morning here in Australia. And of course, we have Garage Band Weekly. I use Garage Band. I know many of you folks use Garage Band, and Garage Band Weekly is our weekly opportunity to take a look at all things Garage Band. And on this week's show, we're looking at all the free Apple AUV3 plugins. They just added that new sound isolation plugin. There's a video about that over on the channel you can check out, and we'll be going back and looking at all those plugins and seeing are any of them actually useful? Do you should you be using them? Are you paying for plugins that you don't need to be paying for? Well, you'll find out on this week's Garage Band Weekly. 
That is going to do it for the first rehashed episode here of the Studio Live Today podcast. My name is Pete Johns. If you'd like all the information about this and all the other things we do here at Studio Live Today, just head on over to studiolivetoday.com. A big shout out to my patrons over at studiolivetoday.com slash Patreon. If you want to become a patron for as little as $1 per month, you can be part of one of the coolest little communities on the internet. As we say at the end of everything we do around here, what I want to send you is this message. Please be kind to yourself this week. Please be kind to others and keep creating. We'll see you next time on the Studio Live Today podcast.